Hey, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast. Thanks for listening. This is episode 13, and we are, uh, I am, I don't know why I say we sometimes, like there's a whole staff of people. (laughs) I am, just me. Um, I am really excited today because, like I mentioned before, I have um, a friend of mine who I've known for how many years? 14? 14? No. Yeah, ish. 15 years um, that we're talking to today. And I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself, but just to give, um, just to give an idea, just to give some information about our relationship and our history and stuff. Her and I, if you've listened to any previous episodes, Back on my, I don't remember what number it is, of course, but the uh, Like Literally Basically episode is the title of it, I think, where I talked about my first marriage. She was uh, front and center for that first uh, marriage showdown. And so we met at camp um, in Nashville. No, nope. In, yeah, yep, Nashville. I always forget which one it was. (laughs) We met at camp in Nashville and... um, so worked together that whole year, and then I also went and, uh, you know, my son and I, when it was just my son and I, and he was about two and a half, we went out and did a, a Washington, D.C. vacation when she just had two kids at the time, and so it was a, it was, it was a good time, but um, she is, if you listen to, um, I think it was the most recent episode where I talked about, just kind of gave a brief introduction to some of the friends that I was going to, some of the guests I was going to have on. She's the one that I mentioned is kind of like a, my moral compass, the person that I check in with. And I actually today was looking through, I've had my phone for about two years, almost two years. And I was looking through our text message exchange over the past two years. And um, it was really interesting to see that you know, there's been times that I've checked in with her about church drama, just kind of get trying to see her perspective. There's been times that I've checked in with her about how do I, as a single woman, manage having men in my home to do different um, contracting jobs and work and just trying to, you know, stay like above reproach and not not appear shady to anyone. But so, I mean, that was kind of interesting for me. Like, I knew that. I knew that I had done that with her, but then kind of looking back through our text history, just confirmed that. She was there and did, you know, put together um, some thank you cards when I got my first foster care placement. And um, I thought it was really cool. One of our text exchange said, I wrote this down when I was looking through it today. Um, I wrote to her, I really cherish our sporadic and yet constant friendship, love you, and she wrote back, and I love you, and I'm waiting for you to be my neighbor, which was also a funny thing, because there was just random messages after we maybe hadn't talked for two or three months, where she would be like, hey, I'm heading to the beach with the kids, can you meet me there, she lives in Charleston, and I'd be like, you jerk, I don't live there, quit, you're making me cry, but, um, so yeah, her name is Jill, and I'm going to turn it over to her and let her introduce herself. And then we'll, uh, we've got some topics today. And then we'll get into it. Go for it. That's me. It's That's my you. time. <laughs> it's very intimidating to have someone say, I'm just going to turn it over to her. Turn it over. It's all you. Very intimidating. <laughs> so my, my name is Jill. And yes, we've known each other for a long time. 
it's weird because I still feel like I'm 22. Apparently <laughs> not. Apparently. Um, I have one husband named Heath. I just actually planned my very first surprise party for him tonight. And it worked. Like, wow. He didn't figure it out till we wow. were getting there. Can't believe it because he's, you know, smart and stuff. So he usually <laughs> figures that stuff out. So that was exciting. After almost 17 years of marriage, that was the first one. And I have three kids. They are, um, you know, kind of close to your kids' age. Mm -hmm. 11, 9, and 6. And we do. We live just 20 minutes from the Charleston, South Carolina beaches. And it is rather picturesque here. And you definitely, I, I mean, every time there's a house for sale in my neighborhood, I think that would be just the perfect spot for <laughs> Sam and her family, but you know, one day I'm gonna get you. One of these days. What else do you need to know about me? What else? Do you yeah. Need so to know? when I complain and carry on about Ohio weather, that's not something that she's necessarily experiencing ever. <laughs> I constantly no. am dog in Ohio. Get snow this year. Oh, you got snow. snow. Wow. Any hurricanes? There was a hurricane. Like, At least in the past yeah, two years, because yeah, that was. That's really we haven't had her like we've evacuated we evacuated this year and last year for hurricanes but nothing happened it was just precautionary but we got eight inches of snow That's wow yeah usually it's like a no. dusting and those southern cities shut down completely yeah we get ice we get ice mm -hmm. so tell yeah. me um tell tell everyone kind of about your like your uh current work situation your your previous <laughs> your previous employments I mean like kind of I guess what your uh like what's your day-to-day -day? I mean what are you what are you doing with your life right now uh nothing I watch Netflix <laughs> and do laundry that's pretty much um that like message that pops up are you still watching that's me that is <laughs> that's after like uh, six hours I, <laughs> <laughs> I um so my resume is random of randomness, but the last four years I worked at a preschool, three years as the assistant director, and one year as the four-year-old teacher, and then I was like, you know what, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do this. So I came home, and this year is my first year in four years that I've been at home with my kids, and you know, the just the perfect little 1950s housewife, and I... You know, do my makeup and have dinner on the table every Lies. night. When he gets home. I mean, it is just Lies. gorgeous. <laughs> it really is. We're gonna get to the truth yeah. about that because I feel like <laughs> I feel like you might be exaggerating that home home life uh, stay at home mom I mean, situation. One just one time, my mom asked, "Do you really have your pajamas on when he gets home?" Or <laughs> I mean. So I mean, no, they're called yoga pants. So Leave me alone, mom. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at home this year, and that's been—it's actually been really cool. I, you know, you go through those stages as a parent where you think you're super busy, and you think your kids are gonna all be in school. This is the first year they've all been in school, so people were—I got a lot of questions about why I would come home this year instead of then trying to get full-time employment. And I just had always said that no matter what, when my kids got to middle school, I would be at home. Um, and this year, my oldest, fifth fifth grade, started middle school for us this year. So 
um, which I know is shocking, but it was actually a really great year. Uh, so I came home this year, and the Lord's kind of doing some other things. Like, he gave me this res- ministry responsibility, and my husband and I are in the process of starting a business here in Charleston. And so we're we're kind of walking into this really big season of just full-on obedience. Um, and I could not do that if I was doing something else. So, yeah, it's been a weird year, and we've walked through some crazy stuff as a family and um, that I'm super grateful that I've been able to be home through it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what, I guess I just like, this is not maybe has anything to do with some of the topics we're going to get into, but what made was there anything in particular or was just like a timeline goal that made you say you wanted to be home when your kids got into middle school? I don't know what it was. I mean, part of it may be because my mom was at home, but I think, I think having been in, student ministry for so long and seeing that transition from elementary school to middle school to high school and realizing that if I didn't kind of establish these particular relationships in middle school, I would lose my kids by high school. And that's, you know, that's broad in general. And of course it doesn't have to be that way and whatever, but in my head and for what I saw uh, in my relationships with my kids, for some reason, middle school was like, you know, I mean, middle school sucks, right? So, mm-hmm. um, luckily, we had a great year. But they're even in the great year. My oldest is pretty confident. He's like way more confident than I ever was. And but even in that, he had an issue with the kid. And so, just to be the first one that he would talk to, or myself or my friend Stacy, one of us would pick up the kids. And so, knowing that we were kind of the first voices of the day when they would get into the car was important to me. So, yeah. um, you know, and I'm not, I'm really not opposed to working and I actually enjoy it. It really was complete timing of, I'm just done. I'm, this is not what I set out to do. And, um, the year before I tried to quit, <laughs> the Lord just didn't release me. And I could see the fear on Heath's eyes as I was like, I think I'm going to come home. And, um, so I just <laughs> looked at him and said, fine, I'll stay working, but this is your fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, it was fine and I got through it, but it's totally where I was supposed to be this year. So, yeah. so tell, tell me about some of the, um, I mean, we've kind of, this is like I mentioned in the, my most recent episode, like this is a really cool unexpected byproduct of doing this um, podcast is that, you know, like I mentioned, Jill and I have had pretty regular contact over the past 14 years through text message, you know, here and there on social media, checking in with each other different times, you know, when things have gone on in each other's lives. But as far as, like, actually talking on the phone or really having um, any regular interaction that that hasn't happened. So we've probably had more conversations (laughs) in the past three days than we have maybe in the last ten years. And she was telling me about... um, some of the ministries and some of the things at our church that were really cool. So can you like just kind of go through some of the things that you're involved in? And like, I really like some of the statistics as far as like about Charleston and North Charleston and stuff and at your church. Can we, can you kind of go over some of that? Yeah, sure. We moved to Charleston 11 years ago and you know, I don't know how many of your multitude of listeners uh, is familiar with Charleston, but it's, Super touristy. In fact, the last probably five or six years has been raided by Condé Nasty, um, 
as the number one city in America and number two in the world to go as destinations um, wow. for its beaches and its shopping and its history and all of that stuff. And Dude. so it's huge. Our summers, actually spring breaks here are nutso. Um, and the summers are awesome. And it's just a, it's gorgeous. It's a great place to visit. And so when um, Heath graduated from the University of Florida with his master's, the, I mean, it was really like the world was our oyster. And Heath just picked it. He you know, after lots of debate, because he is an engineer and has um, paralysis of analysis. And so finally he <laughs> decided that Charleston would be a great place for him to start his career. And we came here. We just kind of had this beautiful um, beachy picture in our mind. And um, I think it was like the first or second Sunday at church. We heard them say that North Charleston was the seventh most dangerous country or sorry, city in the country. Um, with per capita murder. I was like, I did not see that on any mm. travel brochure. <laughs> like, what in the world? And, I can't believe um, that. Because of that, this mega church that I was a part of decided to open a campus, start a campus in North Charleston, like straight in the middle of it. And um, it started with mentoring students and then became feeding and just trying to meet basic needs and um, so now, as it stands, our um, campus offers, we have a free medical clinic that services 6,000 patients a year. We have free dental clinic, um, closed closet, food pantry. We even have, like, um, one day a week we have farmer's market, and this um, company or this ministry called Fields to Families brings their extras from the fields, and our people can come get, like, healthy fruits and vegetables and stuff, which is so great. Um, we recently opened up job training, resume training, um, GED classes. We have like three 55-year-old women doing GED classes right now. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool the way that we've been able to meet the needs of the community. And so now Charleston is ranked 163 in the country now. And the North Charleston Police Department works very closely with us. In fact, our church, after the um, Walter Scott shootings here, obviously Charleston's been on the news recently with um, racial shootings. Our church purchased 150 body cameras for the North Charleston Police Department. So we work super closely with them and um, they've said you guys have done more in the last 10 years than we've been able to do in 25 years here in the city. So it's been really cool. My personal job, quote unquote, is I lead the women's ministry um, there and that has been awesome. It's a completely different ministry than I've ever done in my life. It has stretched me in more ways than I ever thought possible, um, but it's been it's been great. So it's really cool to be. In fact, today I was sitting in church and they were like, "Hey, just to announce, we're going to be doing um, <clears throat> we're going to be doing free lunches all throughout the summer, Monday through Thursday, from 11:30 to 12:30, with an activity. So make sure that you you know if there's kids that you know that are not getting fed during the day, they can come here. And I didn't even know. Like I was like, we we're doing what? <laughs> so it's just really cool that this stuff is always rolling itself out and reinventing itself and when we see needs arise somebody just meets it so yeah so it's almost like you know how and I've never gone to an all-inclusive or a resort or anything like that but it's almost like what I've heard people say is like if you were to go to like an all-inclusive resort in Cancun or something that what you see like if you were to go a mile outside of that resort it's like a whole other world than what you actually see in the resort. And I, I, so my second summer 
that I worked camp, I worked in Charleston, and I spent a lot of time there, and I'm like, I'm shocked to hear that the that city is is what it is and what it had. What well, thankfully it's better now from what you're saying, but yeah, that's crazy to think like. I mean, it's like cobblestone streets, little, like, Easter egg painted houses, like, all this super touristy, Bubba Gump, shrimp company, all this stuff. And so to think that, you know, right north, you know, of kind of the downtown area, I'm assuming is, you know, from what you're saying is, is like a war zone, it kind of sounds like, and kind of, you know, a whole different area um, than what, than what you see, you know, if you were to go there for, for tourism, so... That's really cool. Yeah, it, it has been really neat, and our church now is unrolling. We've just started to really unpack the whole racial thing, and which has been really awesome. I'm in the process of working with our pastors to write a curriculum to help our people walk through that. Um, you know, we're so, so diverse on so many levels at this campus. I can sit next to a multimillionaire and a homeless person, and I can sit next to a black person and a Latina. And, I mean, like, we are economically, socially, racially, just so diverse. And, um, but we're doing a really great job inside the four walls. And, but as we've talked more, what are we doing when we get outside of it and how can we model that for our community and how can we bridge those racial divides and to be able to be in a place where I can ask my black friends, you know, is this appropriate or what can, how do I handle this? Or how can I bridge this? Or what can I say to this? And just to be able to have honest conversations. In fact, tonight at the birthday party, two of the girls were like, Heath, you better not spit on that cake. You better, you know, and we, and they were like, it's not a black thing. And I was like, anybody else? And it was just all of the black people in the room that were like, yeah, we don't like it when people blow out candles because we think they're spitting on the cake. So even in the hilarious moment of blowing out candles we're able to have this racial conversation about the way white people and black people do birthday parties so um yeah it's just really great to be able to be in that open environment so come on yeah well and i promise we actually have like actual topics to talk about but just in true in true fashion i'm completely winging this and i forgot to give a disclaimer at the beginning i have jill on skype I'm recording, you know, the same way I always have, um, one take, no editing, and so if the sound is off, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't, I got, I got nothing, but um, hopefully it's good. We kind of did a little test run, so I think, it's, I think it'll be okay. But um, so I have a question because I have something to maybe talk about off of that, and then maybe, maybe we'll get into the topics. I don't know. I'm not in any rush. Um, I just think what you said is is so critical and unfortunately I'm in an area where I mean I think honestly my church of maybe 200 to 250 people we have one African-American man there and so I don't have a lot of opportunities to have those conversations but I know that you know hopefully as this podcast grows I think that you know people that are listening are going to be in more you know, maybe in more diverse situations. And I think what you said is so critical that asking those questions and being willing to, even as Christians, like having a level of boldness with people of other cultures, of other races, so that you can really genuinely form relationships. I know it feels weird. (laughs) I had a, um, when I worked at Children's Services, 
there was a coworker. I mean, a lot of my coworkers when I worked there were black. And there was a coworker of mine. And um, this is terrible. I hate that I, I hate myself for saying this, but I went and got my oil changed at this place, this like Valvoline or whatever, up the road from my office. And the area that my office was in was pretty rough. Like it was very urban, you know, a lot of violence, gun, you know, all the whole deal. And so I'm riding with her and like we'd gone out to lunch. I'd got my oil changed earlier at this place in the day. And I said to her, and I quote, I can't make this up. I said, yeah, it was a really nice place. It wasn't ghetto or anything at all. (laughs) She she looked at me like, come on, what? you need to think before you talk. And I was like, I didn't mean that bad. But I think it's really important to try to, you know, if you have the opportunity, which I, like I said, I don't necessarily have that chance. But if you have the opportunity, it's really important to, to build those relationships with people because with her, we were friends. Like, we're still friends. I had a relationship with her to where she'd be like, Samantha, you idiot. Why would you say something like that? I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I am an idiot. I'm sorry. But I think that's really cool to be able to, you know, just be honest, have conversations, be realistic about, you know, what a person from another race needs, how they feel respected, how you feel respected, whether it's blowing on candles or not calling a oil shop ghetto. I mean... <laughs> Whatever it would be. Do you, I mean, do you see any, like, are you battling that a lot in your ministry as far as the cultural division differences or or how does that flow out in your ministry? Um, It does a little bit. Just little things like because we're part of a mega church, the um, whole concept of small groups is crucial. And we find a lot that African Americans don't, they're, that's a foreign concept, especially to have white people in their homes or to open their homes to people they don't know. Um, we laugh a lot because I have several friends who are like, you know, I don't, I'm nervous to eat at somebody's house that I don't know if it's clean or if I don't, it's just a different, so culturally those things have become, are, are diff, difficult in the ministry to be able to just kind of take people where they are that, you know, the traditionally the black church doesn't have small groups that don't meet in people's homes and that sort of thing. And, and although not every white church is accustomed to that, it's a different feel. Like it's easier, I don't know, easier for white people just to get together in their homes and that sort of thing. And so we have a lot of our small groups um, are with black people meet at the church. They're more comfortable meeting there. And so just getting people to, you know, kind of break out of their comfort zones and have conversations. And one of my main core things in our ministry is that we have to live unoffended. That's one of oh our main core values. And so we try to approach each other that way. If we have questions or, you know, my friend Natasha is really one of my go-to girls. And she, we had a great conversation after the Walter Scott shooting, for those we don't know, was innocent black man that was gunned down by a white police officer here literally a mile from our house two miles from our house half a mile from our church and um, it was a big deal for our church to get involved in but to be able to have these conversations to say you know tell me how you how you feel and what's going on and to have the conversations about how my friend Natasha speaks to her 11 year old about police as opposed to how I speak to my 11-year-old about policemen and how they're safe and they're this and that, and they have a different conversation um, about that. And so just to be able to understand, and she was like, I just need to know, 
do you wash your hair every day? And so it was this conversation. I was like, well, I'm probably different. No, I don't. But a lot of white girls do. I do not wash my hair every day. So just those honest conversations. I'm not offended. She's not offended. I just want to know. I love you and you love me. And we just have questions that have always been on our minds. And finally, I'm in a place. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be race. It can be sexual orientation. It can, like whatever your opposite is, whatever that thing is in your life that makes you nervous or that gets you scared or makes you lock your door or makes your, you know, your, your defenses go up. Mm -hmm. You need to find that person that can help just kind of tear those down and to, to get you on a level playing field and realize kind of what's going on and, you know, chill out. Yeah. About it, so yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah. That's good. Like, I think I just remember when my growing up, like we would drive through our, our city, like our, or, you know, our city center here in Dayton. And, uh, my dad would be like, lock your doors, lock your doors. And it was, right, it right, was right. because he grew up, he grew up on the East side of the city to where he was the, one of the only white kids. He was one of the only white kids in his school. And he did experience a lot of physical violence, a lot of bullying, a lot of just hazing basically from some of the African, you know, a lot, not all. I mean, he's talked about having, right. having friends that were black, but a lot of the, and so I think what's been cool with like the work that I've done and, and just where I'm out in the community and I'm in the projects and I'm everywhere with this, my social work jobs is that I've been able to say to him, like, look, it, it's, yeah, of course there's going to be bad people. There's going to be people that make poor choices regardless of race. You can't just put a, a blanket statement of lock your doors whenever you go into an urban community that's you know, primarily African-American because you have this history or because you have this, um, you know, you have, like you said, you know, you have this, this kind of cringy response to whatever it is. So, I mean, I know, yeah, that's, so that's good. So that's a bonus. That's a bonus topic that we uh, yeah. didn't plan on, but I'm. See, one of, one of our nights we need to grab, we could grab Natasha. We could have a great conversation on here. She's got a lot of insight and, um, and she's, yeah. But it's funny because we laugh. And she's like, you realize that I'm not really black, though. You think you have a black friend. But I, she sells, like, Rodan and Fields and her son plays hockey. So she's like, I don't know. Yeah, you she's not, like, is, for real blacks. <laughs> she's, like, <Yeah>. fake black. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, so that's another piece of information, something to look forward to. Um, Jill and I, you know, just in talking, we've kind of pretty well decided that she's going to be a regular, um, guest on this podcast. So we've got a lot of topics that we've touched on. And like I said, she's, she's got a, she's basically an expert in life. So, I mean, we're just going to go to her and we're going to, uh, we're just going to consult her on all things, marriage, children, and just being awesome. So... Right. And then uh, we'll get her perspective. So I do want to go ahead and get into um, one of the first topics that I... So when I first talked to her, I said, look, I want you to talk about whatever you want to talk to talk about. But I did have a couple of things that just in the years that I've known her that have, you know, not that I've like been have thought about, but I, but I think that, you know, I've kind of been on my mind and I've wondered about and whatever. And I'll be, I mean, I didn't tell her this, but I, the reason, at least for one of them, the reason why is because it's affected me. And so the first, the one thing that I, the first one would be the one that's affected me because I've had to, 
because I know her, I haven't, and I like this, like, don't get offended stance across the board, but I think because I know her, I've been able to, um, I've been able to take that stance, but what I asked her to talk about is she, I mean, just from hearing her story a little bit already, you can, you can obviously see that she is a strong uh, woman, she's a leader, she is in the church as a leader, which is, you know, something that is progressive in itself um she is has a personality that and her and I you know discuss how she is honest and blunt but she I want her to explain kind of how that personality has progressed and then talking what I asked her was I think I said um do you find that people are that you know, like when you're in friendships and relationships that people get offended when they interact with you? And she was no, like, I think, I think how you said it was, <laughs> how do you keep friends with a personality like yours? I'm pretty sure that was it. Right, that sounds about right. But, but yeah. I'm unoffended. I'm unoffended. <laughs> okay, good. As long as we're staying unoffended. But I think the cool thing was, was it was like, she right away had a story. So anyway, yeah. so that's the question. How do you, with your personality, if you want to explain that personality and maybe the progression, how do you, with your personality, because I think a lot of women have this personality. It's a personality that's God's given them. It's, you know, it's gifts and talents and, and character that God has given us, but we're just almost inundated with this pressure to not express ourselves or to not be who God's created us to be in that way. But there's also a balance of managing that in a way that is not so brass maybe, or not so, not so aggressive. So that's what I wanted to kind of talk about with you is, is so yeah, take the floor, go for it. Okay. So this for me has been a really long road. Um, I, have always, my mouth has always been an issue, always, um, as a kid, as a, I, very quick with my thoughts, and with, like, as you are speaking, I already have my next thought planned out, I'm, I actually have a child that's like that, um, <laughs> as well, I've birthed another one of me, and so it's, it's always been an issue with my parents, with, I mean, I did relatively well with other authority figures growing up, I, um, but it's always it's always been there. And you know, as as a woman, I don't. I mean, I haven't met any women yet who have not struggled with insecurity. And that's how my insecurity came out. Is I didn't shy away. I got louder. I got more. I got, um, yeah, just all of that became my mouth became my cover. And so in college. People, my my like my motto. People would say all the time, "Jill just says what other people are thinking," and I wore that like a banner. Like I was so proud of that badge, and I just wore it proudly. And I would, I would just speak, and um, and I remember very clearly the Lord like sitting next to me saying, "There's a reason why people don't say everything that's on their minds because it hurts people, and you have got to figure this out." And as I began to heal and began to um, to tear away at the self-confidence issues, which, of course, will always rear itself in some way. But I began to continue to speak truth. You know, I, went even, I even went through this phase where, you know, when you read in Scripture and it says, gentle, quiet spirit, I'm like, that's not mm -hmm. me. I have to have that. So I went through, like, 
it wasn't very long because I thought I was going to die, um, <laughs> where I tried to be that. Like, I'm going to be gentle and quiet and speak only when I'm spoken to. And I just really thought I was going to self-implode. And <laughs> I was like, Lord, that is obviously not who I'm created to be. I know that I need to have a gentle, quiet spirit at points and in different times, but you have given me this. You have given me wisdom. You've given me a mouth. You've given me leadership. People listen to me. And so how do I do this well? How do I do this well? And so as I began to heal and began to chip away at the parts of me that were ugly and hurting and broken, um, and a lot of that had to do with my marriage and my amazing husband who kind of worked through that and assured me that I was okay and that he had married me for that um, and just became confident who I was. It's changed a lot. You know, people will still say to Heath, like, how do you have a wife who just speaks her mind all the time? And he's like, oh, please, this is healed, Jill. You have no idea where he used to be. So I, I do still speak truth. But I am much more careful. I don't say everything that comes into my head. Um, and it's really interesting because I think that's also the part of my personality that draws people to me as well. Uh, I am sarcastic. I use wit and humor in uncomfortable situations. Um, and in meeting new people, I also have a, a decent gauge of people, too, who I can do that with and who I can't. That also come with time as well. Um, but it's the same thing that I think draws people to me. And I do actually have a wealth of relationships. Um, that's always a discussion. Like, how do you have all these relationships? And I'm not sure. And I think it is those quick texts. Like, hey, you want to go to the beach? Even though I know you can't. Um, <laughs> that just, like, you come to my mind. And I think of you. And I want you to know that. And so the Lord has used this personality that's hard and confusing and difficult for people who is who are exact opposite of me. Um, to draw people to me, and and he's also used that same personality to refine me and to sanctify me, um, all the while reminding me that I have a responsibility to speak the truth that he's given me, that um, he hasn't, you know, so many years ago when I read the verse where it says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it, and he'll give it generously. I took that very seriously, and I asked for that. And so I feel like he's given me wisdom and insight um, earlier in life that people don't necessarily have. And so I do have a responsibility, I think, but just learning to communicate mm -hmm. that correctly has been, has been the battle and has been the road, um, which is funny because I told you the other night, I've gone several, like a while without offending people that I know of. I could very well offend people and not know it. <laughs> the last two weeks I've had two people come to me, <laughs> tell me that I hurt their feelings <laughs> and, and I have to hear that. I have to listen to that. And I do, I listen to that and kind of absorb what I need to absorb and throw off the stuff that I know might be conviction for them or their own heal, unhealed parts of them that my, my truth might hurt. Um, and I have to acknowledge that, but then I also have to kind of go, okay, maybe that wasn't the right time or maybe I didn't handle that as correctly and you know, apologize for what I need to apologize for. And, um, I still, you know, I'm, I'm good at apologizing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's just been a process of healing myself so that I know that my truth is real and, and from a place of love, whether people get that or not. And Sam, I think that's important too. Like I'm not responsible for what other people's reactions are. I can't be responsible for that. If I am being consistent with who God has created me to be and I'm doing it in love and I'm speaking his truth and not my own truth, it's not always going to be received well. And I'm not responsible for that. And 
so and that's part of the healing right that's part of the the self-confidence in in my relationship and my identity is that you know I'm just gonna follow this and I hate that it hurt you but I don't that wasn't me (laughs) that was Jesus so Yeah. yeah Yeah, so I guess, you know, I think that, and this is something that I really struggle with because I, my, um, my inclination when it comes to fight or flight, as far as relationships and even like as an adult to have friendships and things, it's always flight. I have developed a a very fine-tuned skill of cutting people off very quickly for, for maybe zero to, to little offense, even if it's just a perceived offense. Um, I mean, you can, it's, it's, it's immature and I feel like I've made some progress, but you can ask, I mean, I've, I've dropped out of so many group texts, I've canceled out of so many Bible, you know, groups and just everything. And I think what I love, I, I, I it's funny cause I was going to say the exact same thing that you said is that in my interactions with you, I mean, there's been, there's been time, and even, you know, back when we worked camp together, I mean, we talked about some of the conversations that were, you know, difficult that you and I had back, you know, 14, 15 years ago. And I think the thing that um, is, is kind of critical when, you know, in, as an adult, having relationships, having friends within the church, you know, as a Christian is that, we have to know, especially obviously when we're interacting with another Christian, that if if something feels kind of like confrontational or it doesn't feel great to hear what the other person says, we have to believe and trust that as two Christian women or as a group or whatever, that that person has our best interests. And we have to, I think, especially when it's a more uh, developed relationship, we have to trust that that person is coming to us with love and in a way that um, is for our good. And like you said, you know, my reaction, you know, was my deal. That was my issue. And so for me, when I would have a reaction, I never talked to you. I never confronted you or said, you know, anything like you hurt my feelings or, you know, like a big baby, basically. But, you know, like... I never came to you because I knew that you loved me and I knew that you cared about me and I knew that any reaction that I had was my issue. And I think that that is such a critical piece of maintaining good, uh, you know, transparent relationships as Christian women, especially with all the insecurities and, and drama and crazy that we bring to the table. I think that it's so critical to know that you know, when we're, when you're interacting with someone who you know, and you believe loves you and you know, and believe that they have a strong relationship with Christ. If you feel offense, that is nine times out of 10, your issue. And so looking yeah. at and going to God and saying, okay, <clears throat> I feel offense. What, what is it that's, what is it? Do I, what do I need to work on? You know, why do I feel this? Is it because they were, they were spot on? Is it because I am still battling this I don't want to hear the truth mentality or you know whatever it is so yeah I definitely I I agree with you on that and I think that you know when it I think the unfortunate thing I guess is that here you and I live in different states and it is it's difficult to develop those types of relationships that's I guess the the thing that's that's hard for me is that you know and I think it's it's just a you know when you've 
been through things and you've been burnt and you've had trust issues that it can be difficult, but, you know, making an effort. And I also think that our culture has convinced us that confrontation is wrong, Mm -hmm. that confrontation isn't good, that we should steer clear of confrontation, that we should just keep ourselves in our lane and stay away from it as much as possible. But the truth is confrontation is necessary and it's important. And anyone who is able to confront people say that to me all the time like oh you're just so good at I hate it I hate to have to confront people I hate to have to have hard conversations I I'm not as miserable and I agonize over the right words and I didn't used to always do that but I do now like so very important I play through it in my head I take notes I the whole thing because I want to do it well but because we have this such negative view of confrontation if there's anyone who can confront and do it well, and does and has to do it. They're automatically labeled like a B, or <laughs> I mean, so much stuff is. You, you can know, say bitch on this channel, by the way. All of those words that I've gotten my whole life, yeah. and and really, the truth is, like Jesus confronted all the time. It's yeah. absolutely necessary. You can't have growing relationships if there's not confrontation. You just stay stagnant. You say, you know, it just stays level. And mm -hmm. if you're gonna go deeper and move on, you have to be able to say, hey, you know what, I love you, and I was noticing this, and this makes me nervous, or have you considered this, or there's so many ways to frame it, and that's part of it, is knowing your personality enough to, how do I frame this, if someone's going to confront me, do not start off with, hey, I just want you to know you're doing a really great job with this, and like, I know what you're doing, just tell me what I need to fix, and let's move along, okay, but if I know that you need that, then I'm going to start my conversation that way, and I am going to wrap it up, and I'm going to, you know, the compliment sandwich, the whole thing, and make sure that you feel as confident as you can before I drop the hammer and let you know this <laughs> makes me nervous or whatever it is. But because our because our culture and our society is so anti-confrontation, it makes it really difficult in ministry and in life and in growth and in spiritual growth to be able to say, you know, even in love, I notice this and yeah. I just you know, want to make you aware that there's a better way or there's another way or I'm here for yeah. you or whatever that looks like. Yeah. So essentially the takeaway is, uh, you know, as a Christian, you know, if you're, you know, let your personality shine, I guess is what, what it comes down to and allow God, you know, to use that in a way that, um, you know, in the way that he wants to use it and, and don't, don't spend your, your day squashing that, um, you know, so what I want to talk about though is, and I thought about this after we had had our initial check-in conversations, but so yesterday, now I'm going to admit to this, I didn't tell my parents, but I ramped up on a curb and busted my driver's side tire <laughs> um, because I was eating a taco and I dripped it all over my lap and I glanced down and then, you know, the curb situation fell apart. So by, so it was kind of leaking, leaking air, leaking water, leaking air. And then whatever, by the time we got home and I, the kids took a nap, when I went back out to the car, it was flat. And so I got a, um, got the donut put on. I didn't, my dad, you know, came out. It's probably something I should learn how to do, but got the donut put on. 
and so I called one. I, it's two tire discounters, so they have a war. I have the warranty, of course. Like I'm, I'm. That's where I'm going. I called one location. They didn't have an appointment until today, actually. No, no, they didn't have. This was on Friday. I'm sorry. They didn't have an appointment until Saturday at one, which I knew was going to be like not convenient because I was going to try to work and had a lot of other stuff going on with the kids. So I said, well, look, I'm going to try to call another location and see if I can get in. So I called a different location, and they said, um, yeah, we." this is a, like, quote, the, what they exactly said to me. They said, um, we close at 7, so just try to get here as quickly as possible, and we'll get you in. And so I was like, that's awesome. At this point, it's like 5.30, and I'm about 30 minutes from this place, so it was going to be tight, but I knew I could get there before 7. So sure enough, I mean, I get the donut put on. I get there at like 6.40. So this is where, uh, this is where it kind of... I battle this in just interactions in the world because my personality is strong. I'm very much like justice, fair driven, and I want people to do what they say they're going to do. And uh, so when I walked in there, this guy is like, well, can we go ahead and schedule you for tomorrow? Can you leave the tire and we'll put the new, you know, leave the rim. Basically, we'll put the new tire on and then and then we'll leave the donut on. And, and so I have this internal reaction of, hell no, you already told me that you were going to do it tonight. <laughs> You're doing it tonight. And so, but I don't like, I guess that's what I want you to talk about. Like when you have those situations and you have your personality, you know, how do you manage not... Like, even over the phone, I've had to check myself because I deal with my internet provider or I deal with, you know, my, you know, credit card provider or whatever it is. And it's, it can be infuriating. And how do you maintain, I hate the, I don't like the word testimony. I don't know. I, it just feels so cheesy and it's just, <laughs> but I mean, how do you maintain, like at the end of this conversation, at the end of this interaction, if I told this person that I was a Christian they wouldn't be like, yeah, right. Like, there's no way. <laughs> How do you maintain that testimony, I guess, if we're going to use that word? What's another word? Uh, what? I don't know. I don't know. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. So what's really interesting about this is in, like, everyday life situations like that, I am not confrontational. This is really funny. I, in my head, I don't want to waste confrontation on somebody that I don't really will ever see again or I have to weigh is it going to be worth it like is it really going to change anything or do anything and so I really do shy away from those situations a little bit more hmm. um, you really have to push my buttons a lot and I think a lot of it is because I always go I wonder what's going on with them or I don't know I always try to put myself in their place maybe I have too much retail experience or something but I am way less likely to confront somebody in a situation like that than I would you if I saw mm -hmm. something in your life. And so I guess it's just like a personal thing, the personal part attached to the confrontation. I'm trying to think, like, I will write letters all day long if I have a great experience. If you've done something really great, I wrote a letter to Wendy's the other day. <laughs> like, so I'm familiar. always, like, <laughs> looking for people who are doing a really good job in their, in their profession, and I... I, yeah, it really takes a lot for me to to lose my mind in that kind of a setting. I don't know. Huh. Maybe that, that does sound weird. No, I think, but. you know what I think, too, is that I've got a chip on my shoulder because I'm a single yeah. woman and, like, I just, you know, it's not great. It's not a good thing. But 
I just, in my mind, like, even though this guy is, like, has no clue, like, I think, like, oh, you think you're going to take advantage of me because I'm single and you're going to push me around and I'm a woman? No, no, not today, sir. And I didn't. I didn't have, like, I didn't raise my voice. I didn't have any major confrontation with him. I just essentially said to him, you know, I called in. This location said they could get me in. I'd really appreciate it if you could get me in. And they did. And then I was able to say to them, look, listen, like, I really appreciate that because I've got a whole full schedule tomorrow and it would have just been super inconvenient to bring it back tomorrow. So it was, I was like proud of myself for not flipping out, but I guess that's, that's interesting that like there's not, and and maybe that's part of it is that like, I just feel this like, and I've had this situation at like car repair places and with contractors and with landscapers and things like that. Lawnscapers? Landscapers? Landscapers. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, of just feeling like... Yeah, I do. There are times that I wish I could do that more. Like, there are times that he's like, you didn't say anything about that. He's annoyed <laughs> with me because I didn't, you know. And, like, no, I didn't. But I did have the... I do feel like I have more of an issue when I'm in a situation. I went to buy oil for the car the other day, and I knew exactly what I came in for, and I went to buy, and he said... Do you want an? It, we're having a special with the air filter. And I was like, no, I don't want that, because I didn't know what kind. So I automatically felt like I don't, I don't know the answer to this. I knew the oil. I don't know the, air, I don't know the filter. I don't, the oil filter. I don't know that. And so my guard went up, and he was like, well, it's five dollars cheaper if you get the air, if you get the oil filter and the oil. Than if you just buy the oil, which in my head, I'm like, I don't even understand this at all. Mm. And uh, I said, well, I don't know. So I'm trying to text Heath, and I just felt stupid. Like, it brought out the, the insecurity, right? Yeah. I always know. I always have the answer, and I didn't have the answer for this. And I blah, 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 blah. <laughs> So, and he wasn't able to talk to me. And so he said, well, you know, I'll just, it's fine. Just, we'll give you the deal, and we just won't give you a filter. I'm like, well, no, I, I want the, you know what? <laughs> So I told them the car, and then they said, well, is your engine this or this? And I was like, ugh. Oh, so all these questions. Myself, in my insecurity, getting frustrated, and I had to call it in to check, like, this is about me. This is not about them. And I said, well, just give me whatever. Just give me one of them, and if it's wrong, my husband can bring it back the next time. I had to admit that I don't know that I have to rely on somebody else for this information. Mm-hmm. Calm down. You're not the only woman that's coming here without a clue. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But in my desire to want to know and be all of this and so much more, that's when my insecurity gets high. And so then my defenses get low and that's when ugly comes out. So That's a good yeah. way to put it is like if you're in a situation where you feel insecure, you may be more likely to kind of rear your, rear your head. Cause I think that's, that's that's right. fairly accurate on the times when I can look back and either I have, you know, uh, maybe not maintained the testimony, so to speak, or I've, I've, I've felt the, I've felt like kind of pushed to that point. I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's a good point is that it's been times where I'm like, you know, don't take advantage of me because I'm a woman. Don't take advantage of me. And so the insecurities will come out and, um, so Good. Good, good, and, and good. And I want to be—I want to be the proof that women can know cars and they can know things. And but the reality is, I'm—I'm I'm not. <laughs> you could ask me about something else, and I could help you, but I don't. I know enough. I could change oil. I could change a tire. 
I don't ever want to. That's <laughs> why my husband's still around, like, to do those things. So I, I don't, I need to just go, it's okay, it's okay. It's no big deal. I'm smart at other things. And, but I feel like you're that person too. I want to be the voice for all single moms that we can be smart yeah. and do all, do it all. But that's not true. We weren't created to do it all. We weren't created to know it all. That's why there are people who work at Advanced Auto and not me because they know more than me. And it's okay that I don't know what leader engine I have or whatever the uh, heck the question was. So Don't get me started yeah. on Advanced okay. Auto. They told me that my battery was fine and it steadily died every time I tried to run my car. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Um, okay, yeah, well, Sorry, auto zone, auto. yeah, auto, yeah. Well, we're pushing an hour, and so I think we're going to wrap it up. But the good news is, if you're hanging on the edge of your seat, which I know you are, sure. um, <laughs> we have definitely. I mean, we had a topic tonight that we were going to try to get to, and it just isn't going to happen. And that's good because that'll give us a good. Um, place to start for the next time around so look to hear from jill what i'm also planning on doing is um posting this link on facebook and just want to open it up i mean if you have things that you'd like to specifically hear jill talk about or any questions specifically for her leave those on her page i'm going to tag her as well and just leave those on her page so look your whole circle jill is about to just get connected to your business (laughs) but um Yeah, so just leave, you know, if you have a question or a comment for her or anything specific topic-wise that you'd like us to talk about, we're trying to um, work through some kind of sensitive topics that we both feel like need to be talked about, but trying to approach those in a way that um, is uh, listener-friendly, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. but yeah, that's that's coming. We're ready to talk about anything, and we just want to we want to be um, honest and real and open. And and I that's where that's kind of my whole premise um, from day one is that I want to be. I had a friend of mine. It was like the best compliment she's ever given me because I've been so speaking of insecurities, been so insecure about starting this podcast and and just but also just believing that. I, I really am confident that God has brought me through the life that I've lived for a reason and that, you know, this is kind of a platform that I felt like was a, was a, was a good way to be able to share those experiences and to reach and to, to uh, connect with other people, not just women. But um, anyway, she said, she was like, I just feel like you're so being so real and honest. And um, I listen to other Christian and, and homeschool podcasts, not to dog any other podcasts because I listen to all of them and they're good. But I think what sometimes happens, and this is just, this is across the board in the Christian community, is that there's this push to not be honest about how much of a mess we are. My pastor did this series one time years ago that was titled, We're Not Okay. And I loved it so much because it was like, let's just, let's just be honest with each other. Like, we're just not, we're not, we are struggling and battling, you know, just like anybody else. And so let's just be honest about it. And so she was saying like, I listen to some of these podcasts and it just makes me feel like a failure. And I was like, me too. I just feel like a loser half the time. And so I I just want, um, you know, I just, I just, I'm excited about Jill being on because I feel like she and I both kind of have this common goal of trying to just be honest about our lives and honest about, 
you know, things that we've experienced and, and just about who we are and what God has created us to be and what God has for us. So that's what we're going to do. Um, just as a, a heads up, this coming Thursday, I've got, okay, Jill, before I move on, that was rude. I'm sorry. It's disrespectful. Okay. Did you want to say anything else or say bye or adios or close out with any no, closing wisdom? <laughs> No, I'm done. I got nothing. How do you feel? She was super nervous, which I think is awesome because I'm also always nervous. But I told her, I said, and I think we kind of got there. Like, once you get to talking, it just feels like you're having a conversation. You don't really. Look, I would walk around with a microphone all day long if the world would let me. That's why I say my my life is like a reality show. I'm just waiting to find out if I'm punk. I live in a movie. Yeah, all day. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm so glad to talk to you, and I've obviously, um, you know, you'll be back, so we'll talk to you next time. Coming up on Thursday, my friend Angela, who I went to college with, she and I have not talking prior to, not talking, what am I doing? Have not talked prior to today for 14 years, almost 15 years, and her and I caught up today. She is hilarious. She is really a neat person, and I'm really excited. She's going to be talking about um, some pretty intense topics. Her and I, just to give you a heads up, her and I are going to kind of come to heads because she is an animal activist, and if you've listened to my previous episodes, you know that I'm I'm just not quite there. I just, I don't understand it, I guess, is what I told her today. I said, I don't want to say that I disagree. I don't want to say that, like, I think you're wrong. I just don't get it. And I think that, so that's something we're going to talk about. She's, she's, she calls herself a crazy dog lady. She likes to be called that. And then, um, she also has had, um, you know, has been married and, and has had, uh, a period of, um, infertility. And so that's something that I think I told her today. I said, wow, I just think you have, um, an opportunity to really be, the vo- you know a voice to so many women to tell your story and to talk about your feelings and how you know the, what you've been through with that something that even for me I don't understand and I haven't experienced so I think it's just going to be really eye opening for me even you know and hopefully for anybody else listening that to hear her story so we're doing that Thursday I'm really looking forward to it um, so we'll uh, we'll see you then all right everybody have a good night Sunday is over almost over. Um, and, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.